Come on, will you give it up? Come on, not just for Jonathan and Vanessa, but for the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, the name of Jesus. That's the name, that's the reason we're here. Amen. You know, uh, I, just, I just love that, that psalm because, which thank you, Pastor Natalie, for sharing it with me. You know, sometimes someone shares a song with you and it just wrecks you to the core. And I just love the lyrics. I love the declaration. I love the sound. And this is why, because so often the thing that the enemy tries to do is steal our voice. And that simple declaration, speak the name. Just when you say the name of Jesus, when Jesus leaves your lips, that there's an atmosphere that shifts with just the sound of that name. I remember this moment when I was in my office, and you can be seated, and uh, I, was, I was counseling with somebody, and I said, you know what, let's just call on the name of Jesus right now. And we literally, just the two of us, we grabbed hands, and we just, we, we just spoke, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Jesus, would you come and speak? And, and literally that instant... The, the shift happened. And I think that, that we have a responsibility to recognize that we've been given a voice for a reason. We have been given a, a voice to speak, to sing, to declare, to allow for the name of Jesus to be represented from our life. And this is a creative conference. This is a conference where we wanted to show that there are so many ways that we get to express and to communicate our praise and our worship and to begin to declare. And, you know, I think it's important. And what I feel like God wants to do is he wants us to get our voice back. You know, as funny as Pastor Tracy was up here sharing the offering, how quiet it was in this room, and I thought, okay, Lord, you want us to get our voice back. You want us to get our voice back. You want it to be okay for us to get excited about lifting our voice. That it's okay to be a believer and be bold and to declare and to get passionate about what God wants to do. That's what he wants from us. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth? Not literally, obviously. Although there might be strange people who do that as well. Have you ever spoke before thinking it through? Something just came out of your mouth, whether it was frustration or even just ridiculous silliness. Come on. Ever ran through a, a dialogue in your head over and over when you're about to approach a conversation? And, and you start the conversation and it goes completely different than you rehearsed in your mind? Because sometimes we have so many things going on in our mind that, that we say stuff and we do stuff without really recognizing the words that are coming out of our mouth. And I think that every, every time we type a comment, every time we maybe reply to an email and we didn't read it through, or maybe even auto text, come on, you just speak into that thing, and you didn't look at it before you sent it, right? There's so many types of communication these days, and, and yet the weightiness of our words has diminished. What I have found is a lot of times we use so many words, 
that are not weighty. So when it really comes important time for us to declare something, for us to be a witness, our words don't mean anything. They become without weight, without influence, without impact. How many of you, you desire to have influence? How many of you desire to have impact? Now, I'm not talking, maybe you don't have visions and dreams of being in front of thousands, but maybe you just want to influence your kids. Come on. Maybe you want your words to actually shift something in your work environment. And a lot of times the thing that, that distinguishes us is not having the impact that we want. You see, God made us in his image and likeness. And most of us know that. In the beginning, it says that he actually gave us this ability to speak. Come on, contrary to popular belief, dogs, birds, they don't actually speak. You just fill in the blank with your ears because you have an emotional passion for them. But they don't actually speak. And, and we are those that are made in this place that we were given the ability to speak because God wanted us to use our speech to actually create, impact, influence the world around us. It says it in this way, right, to have dominion, right, to subdue, to be fruitful, to multiply. And yet what I found in our culture today is we're more concerned about having dominion over someone that we are not taking dominion over atmospheres and regions because we'd rather have a, a, this place of rightness that we use and waste our words on those things that are not valuable. And yet we were created with a unique voice. Now, for most of you in this room, if you have a spouse, a mom or dad, you're here in this room if you have a mom or dad because, you know, this is not a time for that kind of lesson, but... <laughs> but this is the reality, is you were created with a unique voice. So if somebody you know calls you on the phone, you could instantly say, oh, that's so-and-so, because you would recognize their voice. There's a unique voice that each and, each and every one of us in this room have been given. And not just in its natural sound, but also because life's experience has literally caused you to form perspectives and viewpoints about this world we live in and about God that cause you to have a unique voice. There is experiences that some of you have had with God and in your life that literally become the very most powerful tool that you have to minister to those around you, to impact and influence those around you. And yet so often this voice that was made to be a powerful tool is restricted. It's hindered. It's limited. And whether you're in this room, you could be a speaker, you could be a singer, you could be a dancer. Come on, that dance communicated volumes, right? You could be a vlogger, <laughs> you could be a knitter. It doesn't matter. When you are using your creative gifts from God, you are communicating and speaking through that thing and releasing something. Come on, have you ever seen a painting on a wall? And that's, that painting spoke to you. Not audibly, probably, although that's possible. <laughs> but it, it sends a message that you receive, right? And we recognize that there are so many ways for us to communicate. 
and we desire impact and we desire influence. So why is it not happening always in the manner that we want? Is the impact that you desire happening in your life? And even greater, is the impact that he fashioned and formed you for happening in your life? Because if it's not, that means there's a, there is an in-between, there's a gap between where you are purposed and intended to live and function and where you are. And so often what happens is when that gap is there, we just find ourselves settling in. And we find ourselves saying, my voice doesn't matter. What I have to say isn't important. In the sea of songs, is there really a song that I need to sing? In the sea of books, is there really a book that I need to write? With all of those YouTube videos, do they really need another one from me? We find ourselves dismissing the very unique voice and gift that God has placed within us because there's a sea and a crowd. And yet God has given you a unique voice. So we've been given a voice to influence. And the scripture says that we're his ambassadors, as though he was making his appeal through you and I. Now, what I love about this is there are certain people that when I talk to them, they would be drawn to me. And they would hear the way I would communicate, my mannerisms, and all of that, and it would cause their hearts to be open. And yet there are certain people that they would just be like, she's a little weird, and they would not be open to me. But then, you know, there are certain people that Pastor Natalie could start a conversation with, and they would be open to her. And this is God's design. And, and what I love about Captivated and what my heartbeat has been is that many churches, many people, many gifts would come together and be represented because that's what the scripture says is his intention. It was never meant for each of us to be a cookie cutter of each other. It was never meant for us to try and sound exactly like Bethel or exactly like Elevation. All those, they're bringing something that's powerful, that's their voice, and that's their sound. But what we do is we belittle ourselves in smallness and say, because they're so big, what is little old me going to bring to the table? And that's not God's heart. And, and there's, a, there's a sound from this region, there's a voice from this region, from the Pacific Northwest, that has been held. And it's time for it to rise. It's time for it to be heard. So what are some things that can hinder our voice? What are some things that cause us to not have the impact that God intends us to and this is, this is the element that, that I recognize, is to have an appeal to somebody that means that we have to actually know what they need, what they want, how they feel. So if I want to be heard, the reciprocation is actually that I have to be a good listener. Because if I just want to be heard and just speak and speak because I want to be heard, then I'm not going to find those words hitting anyone in any meaningful way. But if I actually care about reaching people, then my ear is the thing that I first turn. And I listen to the need, to the heart, to the emotion, to the, the actual people in my world. Because if I listen first and I hear, then my words are actually going to be weighty yeah. 
because they're going to meet that individual where they are with what they need. But it requires that I listen before I speak. And we live in a culture that really likes to speak before they listen. And, and I implore you that if you want to have impact, if you want your life to be influential, then you must choose to listen first. The scripture says this in James 1.19. It says, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. It's interesting. I don't know. I, I choose not to read a lot of Facebook feeds and comments because... It's, it's actually an abomination. It's just, it gets so ridiculous. And you, let me tell you, I have more probably, I have probably more grace and mercy for my family and people that are not saved. But when I see believers just like going to town, man, it hurts my heart. Because all I can think is nobody is ever going to listen if that's how you speak. And come on, typing is still speaking. I think we forget that we're going to be held accountable for everywhere, but that's a side... That's a side note. But I, I recognize this, that we want to be influencers. That means we have to choose to be good listeners. So do you want to reach people or do you want to be heard? You might be cutting off your own voice because you're simply not trying to understand. You're simply not trying to, to recognize who and where you are in an environment. And the more that I desire to reach people, the more that I'm going to listen, the more I'm going to incline my ear. Our motivations will actually determine if our impact is going to be felt, if it's going to be sincere. People perceive your heart's motivation. People know when insincerity is there. You know, when you are at a place where somebody is communicating and you actually already know what you're going to say next before they're finished, you're not a good listener. Because if you already have the next paragraph playing out in your mind, then you have no idea what they're actually saying. And it means that you're not listening, and it means that your words are going to not be weighty. They're not going to have impact. The scripture admonishes us, be quick to hear. It says also to seek to live with understanding. Many times we are so quick to speak, and we're not living with understanding. Because we don't actually, you know, you judge like the outward action or the motivation or, or whatever. And, and you don't realize what people are walking through and experiencing. And, and you know, I, I learned this lesson. Sometimes when people are late, it's because they're poor planners. But sometimes when people are late, it's because something is going on. And you can make a judgment call at the surface or you can say, hey, is everything okay? And get to the bottom of it. Because then you know how to properly what? Speak. Because if they just said, uh, just fell in really, you know, sluggish today, moving really slow, and they come in with Starbucks, then you say, you know, I just want to encourage you that punctuality is a, a key to really serving the team or the group or whoever's waiting on you. But if they say, man, it's just been a hard week, and this and this happened, and this and this happened, you totally approach that differently. But if you're not listening, then you don't know how to approach the conversation. And now you're limiting and cutting off your voice of influence into that person's life. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, God wants us to use our intelligence. 
to seek to understand as well as we can. God has actually given us his mind, not so we can be haughty and smart and proud, but so that we can seek to understand and recognize things in an individual's. So we don't make assumptions if we're good listeners. Assumptions are actually a sign that you aren't listening to what the need is. You've already made up your mind and know ahead of time. God gives you a platform when you are ready. And so if you are going to, and a platform doesn't just mean like this right here. If you're in your workplace and you have no open door to share with people, it means that you haven't been preparing on your own in your heart with prayers over those people, love for those people, listening to those people. Because God doesn't want us to give us an opportunity to speak and to share with people if we aren't truly postured in the right place. Because we'll damage people. How many of you have ever been, no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> right? The reality is if, you, if there's a, not happening a work in your heart where you're actually speaking because you care so much for somebody, but you're just speaking because you want to tell people what you know, because you want to feel really like I know everything and listen to all this information that I've built up over the years, then people are not going to want to hear you. And, and sometimes we make these assumptions that the reason I don't have an opportunity is because, well, Pastor Tracy's holding me back. Or Pastor J.O., man, he's just, right? And we, we make these assumptions that leaders in our lives are hindering our voice, and we miss the very point that God opens opportunity for you when you're ready for that. But we want influence, we want impact, but how many of you know that you have to actually posture yourself to listen to somebody else as a leader in your life, to speak into your life, to correct you, to encourage you, to coach you, so that you actually can grow in your ability to reach other people. But sometimes we want to be heard before we want to hear the wisdom of someone else. So we want to be good listeners. You know, don't project on people. This is another thing that hinders our voice. We project that everyone is like us. They think like us. They experience like us. It's super interesting because when you project on people, you're basically saying, I am the standard for all things. And so if you said that, did that, felt that, you must have, it's exactly like I think it is, right? And, and we do this a lot with people who are walking through emotional situations. We want to empathize, but instead of truly listening, we start projecting our emotional experiences and what we've walked through. And what we do is we cut their voice off and we cease to actually have impact on their life because we're just projecting ours. And so when, when we want to be heard, we can't assume and we can't project. We can't just go around making it seem that everybody is just like me. Because the reality is everybody is a little bit different. And if you're projecting, then you're not necessarily knowing who you're reaching. But it's important for us to know not only who that we're reaching, but who are you purposed to reach. Because sometimes we're trying to, like, beat down a door that's not for us. And we have to recognize if we want our voice to have weight. I learned this the hard way, can I be honest? I, you know, Pastor Tracy and Pastor Natalie in, in 2011, they asked me to, if they could lean on me. That's how it started. Can I lean on you? Thank you, Pastor Tracy. <laughs> 
can I lean on you for the worship team? And I, I think after the first Sunday, I actually, I said, I'm not the right person. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Blue. But it was funny because at the beginning, there were many people on the team that they did not hear my voice. And I was not a leader to them. And I was so, like, um, naive is probably part of the word, but I was also, like, rose-colored glasses. Like, I want to make everybody's life better. And I see this, and I see this, and this is how you can reach all the goals and dreams that God has for you. And so I would share good information. Not because I wanted it for me, because it's not, like, pleasant for me to correct people. That's the opposite of my personality. But because I really wanted to see people be their best. And so I'd just share. I'd just be like, and you know the whole, like, cookie method, right? You say, like, a positive thing, improvement thing, and then another positive thing. And so I would do it exactly like I'd learned, like, come on, you do this great, but you need to work on this. And then da 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 right? Like, just totally work it out. And then people would leave my office, and they would be like, she hates me. She doesn't believe it. And I would be like, I just told them I believe so much in them. And I was so confused. And, and I remember Pastor Natalie saying, Maggie, you can't cast your pearls before swine. You can't give wisdom to somebody and lead somebody and encourage somebody if they don't receive it from you. If they don't see you as that voice in their life. And that was a tough one to learn. Because sometimes position is given, but you don't have influence yet. And you can't just speak things because you have position until somebody makes you a leader in their life and gives you that opportunity. You don't have influence. Because influence is often built on relationship. So when somebody trusts you and they now say, you know what? I see your motivations are pure. I trust you. This relation has been established. And now I'm willing to receive from you. But that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes we just give the words and, and they're not received. But in order for our voice to be heard and have impact, we have to truly listen. And recognize learning and growing is a part of our process, even if you are in a position of leadership. You might not have the voice to speak into everyone yet, but you know what you do have voice to speak to? You have voice to speak to the Lord, to pray for people, to pray over their hearts, that Christ would be formed in them, that the Holy Spirit would soften them and prepare them. Because you can see and believe in people long before they recognize you as a leader and still be able to have an influence in the spirit before you have one in the natural. And you know the more that you pray over people, the more your heart is fond of them and loves them. And begin, you begin to be soft towards them because God's perspective starts to shift. We thank you that everyone is healed and, healed and whole in the media booth. <laughs> the other thing that we need to ask ourselves when it comes to our speech and what might, cutting, what might be cutting off our voice is whether we're reactionary or we're led. You know, impulse, this, the scripture in James, it says this. It says, right, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to impulse. We're used to seeing the word anger. But what that word really is, 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 is a quick response. It's an impulse, a passionate response. You know, those moments when something happens, maybe you're driving in the car and someone cuts you off. There's an impulse that happens. Right? We say anger and sometimes we dismiss that because maybe to you that's not anger. But is it an impulsive response? 
or is it thought through? Is it spirit led? Those are very different things. And this scripture, it says it, it, you can be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to impulse for man's impulse does not accomplish God's righteousness. So if we're led by impulse, everything is a reaction to, to this circumstance or that circumstance or to that person's attitude. I know so many times we, we get that place where we are responding to someone else. Well, they had an attitude first. Does that really cause for it to be helpful? It doesn't. We all know it's true. But in the heat of that moment, you know, we have to choose to be led by the spirit instead of reactionary. Instead of just flying off the handle. And it's super interesting because when we are, are moved by impulse, we have this sudden, strong, yet unreflective urge to speak or act. The scripture actually warns us to not do anything in haste. So if you feel this place in you where you're like, I just have to say it, you probably should hold your tongue. Because it's an impulse. It's that, that carnal, reactionary nature that is telling you, you just have to right now. Because God in his spirit leads you. And come on, you know the difference between that impulse and that passion and the peace of God. And that peace of God that's like, oh, this, has been a, this place has been prepared. And I can tell it's ready for this conversation. When Matt and I were first married, I had determined that I was always going to speak. That is not a good thing, in case you're wondering. I thought it was so good. I'm such a good communicator. I'm just going to tell him everything. And so I would say things like, um, you know, when you said that, it really hurts. And, and maybe that's true. But because it was in that moment and in that place where his heart wasn't receptive, it was not fruitful. And so then it would turn into something other than just a nice, beautiful conversation. None of you have ever had that in marriage, I'm sure. But the realization was I came to this place where I said, okay, so sharing everything exactly when it's happening is not the best thing. So then I started to, he knows it now, because I would go, is this a good time for a talk? <laughs> right? And, and this is the reality, though, is I started learning that if I would go to the Lord and start praying, and if I would feel out the timing of a situation, that I would recognize that there was a certain time that was good to share information, to speak, to have a conversation. And there were other times where it wasn't. If you're in the middle of a mall, not a good time. I mean, come on. It sounds like common sense. But when you're led by impulse... You feel like it has to happen right now. And that is not being spirit-led in any way. There's this, this emotional response. And if we're reactionary, we're speaking what we see instead of leading people to peace, instead of speaking what God has said. We start to just speak and agree with circumstance. And it's an impulse, but the reality is it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, oh, it's a thunderstorm outside. Right? If there's lightning and thunder, you're just agreeing with what you see. It's not spiritual. It's not powerful. It's just sharing knowledge. So when you see a couple that's fighting in church and you're like, oh, man, 
they're just really having a hard time. That's pretty obvious. But what if you were to choose to say, God, I just declare peace in their home and peace in their family. But we have a tendency, and this cuts off our weightiness of our voice. We have a tendency to speak what we're seeing based upon our emotion and our impulse instead of saying, God, what do you say about that situation? What do you want this to look like? What do you want to do in this circumstance? You know, if, if you constantly are saying, man, I'm broke, man, I'm broke, you are not like a real spiritual person. All of us can look at a bank account and say, hmm, there's zero, right? I mean, that's not a real deep thing. But to have faith and to have some, some words that are going to have impact and influence, you have to be able to look at that and then say, hmm, what, is, what do you say, God, about my situation? What do you desire my situation to be? Because we cannot expect to be impactful and influential with our speech if we're just speaking in impulse and speaking in reaction. And, and I want to ask you this question, do your words react or do they speak to? You have to ask yourself that. You have to ask yourself in situations and circumstances, are you just responding in emotion based upon what's happening or are you actually considering, God, what do you want for this time? What do you want for this situation? What do you want in my marriage, in my family? What do you want in our church? What do you want for that family that I'm praying for? Beginning to, you know, um, actually allow for the Holy Spirit to lead you. We, we like to say, Holy Spirit, come. We, we even, I mean, we sing songs about it. We get excited about his presence. But the real test is day to day, are you inviting him into the conversation? Or are you still just led by your impulse? Because it's easy. We're like, oh, man, I could just get wrecked right here as they're leading us in worship, and I can weep, and I can be completely spiritual in that moment. But when I walk out that door to be spirit-led, I have to choose to not respond to impulses. I have to choose that I'm not just going to react to whatever happens. Because, you know, there's this tongue of ours that was meant to change a situation, to influence an atmosphere, to actually have impact. But if we waste our words on speaking what we see, then we are losing authority. We're losing the power. And guess what? You're going to lose the impact you have. You're going to lose your influence. In John 12, 49, it says this, I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that his commands lead to eternal life, so I speak exactly what the Father has told me to say. Oh, I love that. That's the Berean Study Bible. And I love it because this place of of what we're communicating, if we're led by the Spirit, it is what we are choosing to say. It's not based upon what I see. It's based upon what my Father is speaking. And that sounds, that sounds hard because sometimes we have so many words. But not all of them are necessary. There are some things that God actually tells you to speak, and there are some things that he tells you to pray. 
And you have to know the difference. You have to know that some things are not ever meant to be talked through in a conversation or dialogued about. Some things you are literally only supposed to declare before the Lord. I love, I love our pastors. They have this thing that they teach that if you don't have the power to change a situation and you're talking to somebody who doesn't have the power to change a situation, then it is waste. Not only is it gossip most of the time, but it's a waste. It's a complete waste because there's nothing actually being changed. And the more you rehearse something, let's say you're upset. Somebody bothered you or upset you. They didn't like your post or commented crazy, right? We get moved by very little things in our day and age. But this is the reality. If, if I go to Betsy and I rehearse this frustration and I just continue talking and then she's agitated because somebody hurt me, you know what actually happens? Nothing is solved, but I just keep getting more upset about it. I just keep getting more agitated, and I just keep growing and making bigger this situation that was really small. And then what happens is I begin to count that wrong because the next time I see them, I add what they do now to what I just saw, and it just gets bigger and bigger. But the problem is that I am not anymore having impact. I'm just using wasteful words, idle words, which Matthew talks about. It's not a good thing. We don't want to be judged by those. And so what we say is important. To accomplish what God intends to happen, I must be led by the Spirit, not moved in my emotion, not moved in impulse. And it's not just what I say, but I love this. It says how to say it. It's super interesting. I don't know if any of you have ever watched those videos where you're, like, talking to, like, a baby, and, and they're, like, I hate you. You're what, right? Have any of you ever seen those? And they are using this sweet and lovely tone, but they're saying just like awful things. And the baby's smiling, right, because the tone is all happy. It's like, I hate you. You're an ugly baby. And the, I know this sounds terrible. But, but the reality is it impact of tone is just as important. Because you can be like, I love you, right? And you're like, wow, really? That's, I don't feel very loved right now. And so we recognize that it's not just what we say, but how we say it that has impact and influence. So you can say something, and it might even be right, but it's not coming across with God's heart, with his nature, with how he would speak. Because sometimes we have these filters of the way that, like, maybe we had an angry father who was very aggressive, and so we project that on God. And so when we're communicating, like, God has good things for you, but it comes out, like, super intense and, like, super mean. And people are like, is it good? Is it bad? Like, I can't tell because your brows are furrowed at me, you know. And so it's not just what we say, but how we say it. It has to express the nature of God. And you might be having all these words from the Lord that are accurate and true, but if you're not communicating them with the heart of God, then you are cutting off your voice because people will not want to hear that. They will not want to listen to somebody who doesn't actually sound like a good father. They will silence that voice. So it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. And I love it. It, it goes on and it says, speak exactly no added words, come on, no like my own opinion on the end added. We had this experience where um, Matt and I woke up in the morning, we were on a vacation trip. And at the time, Matt had been growing out his hair. For those of you who are a part of that journey, you can look up pictures later if you didn't see that. But um, he had been growing out his hair, he took a Nazarite vow, he looked a little bit wild. And uh, so he changed actually 
not just um, his hair growing out, but he actually changed the way he dressed in that season. Because, you know, he was like a really preppy guy. And so when he put on his normal clothes with the wild hair, he felt like it didn't line up. And so he started like totally buying different types of clothes. Like, I mean, he started buying like skater type brands and all this stuff. I mean, it was a totally new mat. And so we're on this trip in California. We get up in the morning, and, he, and he's wearing a, a skater T-shirt, a brand, a certain brand. And we say to each other, we're, we're in uh, California. We say to each other, somebody is going to prophesy something about you having a skate ministry because you're wearing this shirt. No joke. We said this to each other. So we meet this guy. Was it a Target? Was it a Target? We meet this guy. He comes up, and he starts prophesying over Matt. And everything he was saying was completely accurate, I promise you. And then all of the sudden, he goes, he look, you saw it. You saw it completely. He looks at his shirt. He looks at his shoes. And he's like, I just see you at a skate park. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding. I had to walk away because I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and this is the reality, is that he was completely accurate. Everything he said was accurate, but his eyes caused him to add to it. And sometimes what happens is we might be just nailing it, but we, maybe, it's, maybe it's, man, I feel like that wasn't enough. I need a little bit more. Like, God, God knows your name. More, Lord, more. So we just start making stuff up because we feel like that's not powerful enough. But what happens is it cuts off our voice because it loses its weight when it could have meant something very powerful to them, even though it meant nothing to you. Because the word wasn't for you. It was for them, right? And so we, we have a responsibility to not just what to say and how to say it, but also to speak exactly what he says. Because if we want our words to be impactful and have influence, then we have to make a decision. I'm not going to go rogue with this thing. I'm not just going to say whatever I want. I'm not going to add my own opinions. I'm not going to let my eyes lead me. But I am going to speak exactly what he says. And I started off a little bit with this, but this, this is kind of where we're going to come together is that sometimes we just feel like we're one voice in a big crowd. And with, um, we, we talked about it, right, with so many songs, with so many books, that we often feel like, why should I bring my voice to the table? And I want to read a, a pretty big chunk of a, a passage of scripture, but I love God's word, and I love that it speaks to exactly what is needed. And in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm reading from the message version, I just, I don't always read from the message version or uh, translation or whatever you want to call it. But it says this, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I love that. I love that. It's this description because if we know anything, we know this. When I meet an individual, they are more than that one thing I know about them. We would never be, meet somebody 
on a day they were really joyful and just make an assumption they're never angry. We wouldn't do that. But what we do with God is we have a certain revelation of him. We have a certain glimpse of him. We have a certain idea of him. And when someone else comes with a different idea of him, we often think, hmm, that's not my God. He's not like that. But the reality is that God has actually uniquely designed the body so that every member is able to come and bring something that shows who he is, a different facet of him. That's why we can't be cookie cutter. Because if I'm cookie cutter, then I miss, oh, that's, that's the encounter Seth had. And if he's like that for Seth, he's going to be like that for me. Right? If he's like that for mission, then he's like that for me. Because the scripture says he's not partial. And so it causes us to embrace a completely different perspective. Because now my voice is just as significant. Because who he is to me, he wants to be to you too. Right? And so everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Come on. All these gifts have a common origin but are handed out by one, by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Come on. So we don't want to compare to each other because Yours is just as valuable as the person next to you. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, not very many for me, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to, used to independently call our own shots. But then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is why your voice matters. Because you're a part of something bigger than yourself. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. It doesn't matter how you drink. When you're drinking of him, you might all come differently. But it's one spirit we drink of, right? Like, oh, they really like those slow songs, and they really like those dance songs, and they like those hymns. None of that matters. We're all coming to drink of the living God. I stood in an Ethiopian church where I understood nothing they were saying. But let me tell you, the presence of God, I know that. I said, I don't even know what they're saying, but this is amazing. Because the presence of God is the same everywhere. It doesn't matter. The old labels were once used to identify ourselves like Jew or Greek, come on, all of those things are done away with. And they are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. Oh, I love that. And this, this, is, this is so beautiful. It says, I want you to think about how all of this, how each part coming together in one body, how all of this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Oh, I love this. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, 
embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If the ear said I'm not beautiful like the eye and limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. You might be an eye. You might perceive and see things that no one else sees. It makes you significant and necessary. You might be that pinky toe that, and that, or that big toe that keeps you balanced. But you are vital and necessary. And it doesn't matter if you're the liver that needs to clean some stuff out. Come on, sometimes when I read, this is, I told this to Matt. We were having a, a new relationship develop with a pastor. And I said, he's a liver. He's like looking to clean out and make sure everything is purified by the word of God. I mean, that's his, how he sees. So everything is scaled and weighed by, I don't see that in the word. Is that in the word, right? He weighs everything out that way. But when I saw that's his function, it caused me to say, we need that. We need somebody to say, is that in the Bible? Because if you're going with the people who are like the skin and just feeling stuff, that's also dangerous, right? And so this recognition that we actually, we recognize I, my voice is needed, how I see things, how I perceive things, it's needed, it's a necessary part, because depending on my experience in my life and who I am, I am bringing a revelation of who God is that others don't know yet. That's important. But it's, it's something that you're distinguished, yet don't be overbearing with it, because this is where the scripture goes, it says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Because we can lean to the significance like nobody sees and hears like me. And we can get really proud. And, and, and we have those extremes, right? We have some people who are so proud they feel like they are the only voice. Right? And then there's other people who feel like their part is not much. But what God is saying is both of those extremes are not accurate. You are all necessary. You're all vital. But I love what the scripture says because it says this. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Isn't that so powerful? Your significance is found in the fact that you are connected to something that's bigger than yourself. So when we are recognizing my voice is needed, don't get blown up about it. Recognize that my voice is needed because it adds to this whole. But not only is my voice needed, but it wraps back around to what we first talked about is I also have to be a good listener because I need you. And this is the way that the, the scripture in, and God intended for us to work together. I love this. It says, I'm going to skip down because this is a lot of scripture in this passage. But it says, um, what, we have, what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No matter if you think you have big feet or a big head, all proper. God fashioned you. Come on. Can, I was, that was a joke, guys. <laughs> Like, we're talking about the spirit, and you got all caught up. Okay, so can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost. I don't need you. Or your head telling your foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, 
In practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body, you are concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible, clothed, higher, or lower. Isn't that true? Come on. If, you're, if you have something, an internal organ start malfunctioning, you're concerned about it. It's, you're not like, oh, it's no big deal, just one little part, right? But yet, in the body of Christ, when people are broken and hurting, we need to recognize we must be just as concerned in that situation. And that is when our voice is very necessary to edify, to encourage, to prophesy, to pray, to speak. So we have to recognize that these work together. <clears throat> You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. I mean, how many of you have ever been like, my hand is so much prettier than my foot? <laughs> Maybe some of you do. I don't know. But the reality is most of us are not like comparing one part of our body to the next and saying, hmm, sure wish my hand was more like my elbow. We don't do those kinds of things. But in the body of Christ, what do we do? We look at what's next to us and we say, man, if I had a voice like Seth, I mean, come on. We all think it's amazing, but we're not all supposed to have it. We have our unique voice to bring to the table, right? So we have to learn to appreciate it without comparing ourselves to it. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had, had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I think that's super funny. The, <laughs> the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part is dependent on every other part. And the parts we mention and the parts we don't. I'm going to skip down. It says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. You have to accept the voice God has given you. You have to recognize that wherever you are, whatever you have been designed to do by God is valuable. We spend so much time diminishing what our voice brings to the table when God says, this is the voice I have given you. It's okay that you might be an encourager and not that really intense prophet that sees people's addresses and middle names. Because how many of you know you need some encouragement in your life sometimes? And someone could come at just the right time and be that great encourager and it shifts your whole world. So you need to recognize what are you gifted at? What is your voice? What do you bring to the table? Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't try to be an elbow when you're supposed to be a foot. You need to recognize that you have a voice. And if you aren't recognizing your voice, then you will diminish the value and cut yourself off from having influence and impact. When we recognize that just because somebody doesn't know how to sing my songs doesn't mean that I shouldn't sing them. When we recognize that just because nobody's heard my story or knows my name doesn't mean we shouldn't write them. 
It doesn't mean we shouldn't share them. We have to recognize that it doesn't matter if it's to the thousands or if it's to the tens. What God has fashioned and formed me for is purposed. And I am meant to have influence. I'm meant to have impact. And, and we sometimes diminish the value of our own voice, which causes for others to not value it either. I learned that real quickly that if I diminished myself, that other people didn't want to hear what I had to say. I had it backwards. I used to think because my siblings told me to be quiet all the time as the youngest, that that caused me to have insecurity. But the realization was that my insecurity actually caused for more and more people to not want to hear what I had to say. But when I recognized, God, it doesn't matter if, if I'm from Hoquiam or Nazareth or... <laughs> Pastor Tracy once said, can anything good come from Hoquiam? Yes, me, me. <laughs> but the realization is this, is that sometimes we have labeled ourselves, and what we do is we cause for our voice to not mean anything anymore. Because how many times have you belittled what you're about to say right before you say it? It loses impact. But if you just say, you know what, I feel like the Lord is saying this, there's a weight in it. But if you say, I'm not really sure, sometimes I wrestle with hearing the Lord and I feel a little heavy, right? Then the, they've already dismissed anything you had to say, right? But your voice is valuable. Come on. At the end of this scripture in verse 31, it says, and yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. But now I want to lay out a far better way for you. And you know what it steps into? is the chapter of love. Because it's, it doesn't matter if it's hundreds of thousands, thousands, hundreds, tens. If you are using your gift, your voice, to influence and impact people out of love, then you are powerful. And you are doing exactly what you were designed to do. And I feel like the Lord has said from this region, from the Pacific Northwest, I want my church to get their voice back. I want a people that would rise up with the confidence that it doesn't matter that it's not sunny California. It doesn't matter that we're not in the Bible Belt. There is a message and there is a sound and there is an art and creativity that must come from this region. But it will only come forth if the individuals in the church of this region begin to release it. If you begin to say, I love that you guys are, are recording because they're going to have a sound that is all their own. They're writing and creating and releasing what is their. I love that. Because that's what is needed. Not for them to say, because they can still appreciate what other people are doing. They can still even lead those songs. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't release what they are. And God wants us to rise up and begin recognizing, I have something that's valuable. I have a voice to bring to the table. I have a gift to bring to the table. It's a gift that has been given to me by God. And I'm no longer going to diminish it. I'm no longer going to hold back from it. But I'm going to use it to influence whether it's my family, whether it's my workplace, or it's the masses. And if you would stand to your feet right now, worship team, if you wouldn't mind going to the platform. I believe in this room tonight, there are many people who could resonate with what was coming out in this message and what God had to say. 
And I recognize this, you know, as somebody who used to think that I had nothing to offer. It's not really about you, and it's not really about me. And once I recognized that it wasn't about me or where I came from or my, my financial status, but it was that God had actually positioned me in a place for a purpose, that he had given me a voice, he had given me a message, that I started to recognize it's not about me. It's about him using and working through me. Most freedom I ever got in worship was when I realized it wasn't about how I sang. It wasn't about any of those things, but it was me saying, just like that keyboard, God, I want you to use me. Play me like an instrument. Pour out your love through me. Pour out your goodness through me. And, th and that speaks to that motivation of your heart. Because if your motivation of your heart is to be heard, if your motivation of your heart is to just be powerful, then, then God is going to keep you hidden for a bit. And he's going to work some things out of you until the motivation begins to be, God, I want people to know that love. I want people to encounter your goodness. And God, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use a donkey and speak direction, you can use me. Lord, it doesn't matter how educated. It doesn't matter how, how beautiful. It doesn't matter how mighty. All that matters, God, is that you can use me. And in this room tonight, if you would just, if you would just open your hearts and you would begin to just posture yourself before the Lord. I believe for some of you, he's going to give your voice back tonight. He's reminding you of your unique purpose, your unique anointing. And he's letting you know that that thing that you thought was minor and small is so precious and valuable to him.